And welcome to the final four edition of the Bavada at Odds podcast. I'm your host, Seth Everett. The head odds maker at Bavada Sportsbook is the great Patrick Morrow. And Patrick, we have our teams. It really did eventually go to chalk, except for the UCLA Bruins. Uh, what's your overall take on how the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight went? Yeah, you know what? Uh, I know this March Madness has been different. Uh, we don't we don't have fans. We're playing all games in the same city. Uh, but, but yeah, wow. You know what? They were saying that last night that you could, the Michigan fans are making themselves heard. And yes, you know, you could pick out those two dozen or so in attendance. I know it's a little <laughs> bit more than that, but it's. But you know what? The madness, it's its a little chalky. We have two ones and a two, an 11, which is incredible. 11 that had to play a play-in game. So we have had that, you know, that token amount of madness as well. Looking back early in the tournament, uh, Oral Roberts had that nice little run through the opening weekend as well. So it's been a fun tournament. It's great how we got here. I think when you asked me last week, I said we'd have two one seeds make it. So thank you to UCLA for making me look a little bit bright. Uh, brighter than a lot of my futures, but your boy Pat Morrow still has one on the board with Houston uh, now down to five to one at Bovada. And I've got them holding at 25 to one. They'll have to get through Baylor. But goodness, Seth, at this point, uh, it looks like it's Gonzaga's tournament. An odds-on minus 200 favorite right now to win the whole dang thing at Bavada. Yeah, it's it's wild to see, you know, that game, first of all, between UCLA and Michigan. Uh, so many people, you know, were looking. And when you think of UCLA, you don't think Cinderella. But really, they have made this Cinderella run. Uh, just to recap, they beat BYU and, you know, they were in the first four. First of all, they beat Michigan State uh, to get into the tournament. Then they beat BYU. Then they beat Abilene Christian, who had upset Texas. Um, and I, I wouldn't say that was even easy. Uh, and then the big upset was uh, two days ago or three, four days ago, depending on when you're listening to this, uh, UCLA beating Alabama and ending their season and then going up against the one seed Michigan for the UCLA Bruins. Uh, what a, a, a crowning achievement. Yeah, tr- truly incredible. Again, they were losing most of that game against Michigan state. It looked like it was going to be Tom Izzo back in the dance this year. And a lot of questions about Mick Cronin and whether, uh, you know, his style of basketball would good, be working out at UCLA and, you know, an early exit might've continued those questions. But that's the beautiful, the small sample size one and done tournament where if you run hot, Boy, do all of a sudden you look like a genius. And, uh, you know, it, it's been a really fun tournament from that point of view. But uh, looking back at Gonzaga, not that I believe in sports karma or anything like that, but they were an undefeated team last year before we had to shut everything down. They look like they were certainly going to be one of those one seeds heading into March Madness. So if they were to finish it off and pull it out and be the team that ultimately cuts down the nets uh, come next Monday, I'm okay with that. And looking at our futures position, again, uh, we, we're black, black on everybody right now. Uh, even UCLA, which started the tournament at 200 to one, uh, you know, we're still okay with that. So right now, again, Gonzaga, your odds on favorite minus 200 Baylor bears, two to one Houston, seven to one and UCLA now down to 18 to one to win March madness at Bavada. The, uh, the, the one thing about Baylor and you can make the same argument against Houston, you know, when I watched Houston, cause they were playing my, my Syracuse uh, orange uh, and they were, absolutely in a different stratosphere. I mean, Syracuse couldn't do anything offensively against that Houston crushing defense. And it was interesting because we had seen Illinois lose, you know, and everybody talks about the sister gene and the, in the, in the karma and the, the, the whole thing and whatever it's all, it, it, it's all Loyola Chicago. They, they rise to the big occasion. Uh, I saw a good chunk of Loyola Chicago against Oregon state. 
And then the Oregon State looked like what people are saying about UCLA. And then, but Houston is just overmatched. I mean, what I saw from the post game from the Beavers and Jim Beheim, I thought, like, wow, they're really good, you know? And then if you go over to the other region where Baylor's playing, that's what Arkansas was saying. That's what Villanova, Jay Wright was saying. Like, you were talking about Baylor like, Holy crap. And remember, we talked about months ago, Baylor being this great team that was on so many breaks with COVID that you never got to see them get into their rhythm. Well, they're in their rhythm now. Baylor-Houston should be a clash of titans. Uh, Absolutely. And looking at updated uh, Ken Pomeroy rankings right now, I mean, Gonzaga 1, Baylor 2, Houston 3, UCLA 15, which again reflects uh, their odds and how unlikely their run has been. But we have some of the great teams uh, left uh, remaining in this tournament. And, you know, Baylor, you're right. We talked about them a couple months ago. Uh, and I think there was more of this idea then that it would be Gonzaga and Baylor at the, in the final four. And re- who really knew the other teams? You know, Michigan was kind of part of that conversation. And then they slowed down a little bit towards the end of the regular season. Illinois looked like they were the top team in the Big Ten. Uh, but yeah, a really good story here is just how quietly good the Pac-12 was. You know, Oregon State, they started that run uh, during the Pac-12 tournament, they were 200 to one just to win that Pac-12 tournament, just to secure that entrance into March Madness, and uh, they had quite the run after that. U- UCLA obviously still in it. USC had to bow out yesterday, as so many teams do against Gonzaga, losing by double digits. Uh, it- it's been a fascinating tournament from that point of view, and uh, but it looks like it will be Gonzaga's year so far. I don't believe in jinxes, but uh, minus 200 is not absolute. Uh, they are also 13-point favorites against UCLA in that Final Four semifinal, which, as far as I know, is the biggest point spread I've certainly seen in the Final Four uh, at my time at Bovada. And I was looking around last night, and I couldn't see anything bigger going back at least 25 years. So, you know, kudos to how good this Gonzaga team is, how great uh, they've really been. I know that, you know, we talk Gonzaga one, we say Baylor's maybe number two, Houston number three, but there's a big step off between that one and two. And Right on the spot, I would say whether Gonzaga is getting Baylor or Houston in the finals. Baylor, they'd probably be favored by about seven or so. Houston, it could be as high as 10. And Houston's a good team. That's just how good Gonzaga is and how well they're playing and how effortless so many of their wins look. Last time I can remember them really being challenged was uh, BYU taking the lead against them at halftime of their uh, conference journey. And Gonzaga just blew the doors within the second half. It, It looks emotionless. It looks effective. It looks... You know, it almost looks like, uh, you know, an Alabama football team and how joyless Nick Saban makes some of those wins. Although I think the Gonzaga players probably have a little bit more character in them than some of those Alabama teams. Well, and everybody made fun of me because I had three one seeds in the final four. And so far, Gonzaga and Baylor, if they go to the championship, I think I win whatever pools I'm in. So it's just funny how uh, sometimes you go with chalk. Uh, Baylor Houston should be a clash of Titans. That's going to be a great game. Uh, Gonzaga UCLA. That's the Cinderella one. That's, you know, obviously uh, the Bulldogs are going to be the heavy favorite. There's no secret about that. But you know what? That's why you play the games. And let's let's see. And uh, you said they went from 200 to one to 18 to one. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's certainly part of the attraction of high variance one and done tournaments like this is the option to take a flyer on a team that can run hot. And uh, I mean, you could, you could look at hedging out now. I don't really advocate hedging unless uh, it's life-changing money for anybody, but it's not my money. So if anyone grabs some of that 200 to one, there are certainly options 
to start, you know, rolling that over into whether it's Gonzaga money line, Gonzaga point spreads for partial hedges, but uh, you allow yourself a lot of fun options. If you still have a Cinderella team playing this late in March, soon to be April, soon to be April. Indeed. All right, so that's the final four. There are other things going on in sports, including a big announcement for the National Football League. Uh, It was well expected. This is not really a surprise, but they are now going to have 17 games uh, for the regular season, an added game to the schedule. The preseason will be less, uh, but I have always said, if you bet preseason football, 1-800-GAMBLER, the idea that... Uh, you're going to have an extra game. What does that mean for Bavada and what does that mean for sports books? Well, Seth, first of all, I've got to say, I've got to thank the league for announcing this because it's only March. So we haven't posted our bulk of NFL full season props yet. We usually wait till after the draft. So as it currently stands, we just have NFL outright futures for Super Bowl. We have divisional odds up. But imagine if we had posted win totals. And this is something that we ran into last year, not just with win totals, but, uh, you know, yes, no for teams making the playoffs when they expanded the playoffs, when we thought we already knew the rules. Uh, And this happened with MLB as well. So I want to take a moment to thank Roger Goodell. I know Roger Goodell uh, has kind of come around on sports betting like some of these commissioners have. So, you know, maybe they had us in mind. But yeah, in the past, this this could have screwed us Uh, in terms of more of the nuts and bolts of how this affects us technically. um, it allows for less variance. Uh, you know, when you have a 17 game season, you should end up in a scenario where the better teams are making the playoffs. Cause it's just, I know it's just one extra game, but that one extra game can really make the difference between a team that just had a little bit of bad luck. Uh, one of my favorite sports betters, uh, Haralabos Vulgaris. Ooh, try and say that five times fast. Yeah, exactly. uh, you know, he noted, he noted about the variance of betting football and just the shape of the ball itself. If you drop that ball, it will not bounce the same way any single time. And when you only have 16 games or 14 games, like the NFL used to have uh, a lot of funky things can happen. I think part of that is the fun of betting football, but adding an extra game uh, certainly creates uh, less variance, pardon me, and allows an opportunity for the better teams to really, you know, lay claim to one of those playoff spots. Uh, as a fan, I, I do kind of have mixed feelings about it as well. I like that we're not doing another preseason game. I'm kind of with you in the sense that those preseason games are absolutely trash. You don't have star players out there. And similar to MLBX, uh, you know, you're rotating players in and out. Uh, the games don't mean anything. Uh, the, these players certainly don't care about the score. And they will, you know, ultimately do suboptimal things late games to try and avoid overtime. You know, not kicking the field goal, going for two points at the end because nobody wants to play, you know, free preseason football. Uh, having said that a 17th regular season game means an extra game for these you know, guys out there to be battered and bruised. Are we going to have more injuries leading into the playoffs? Uh, you know, is this something that could eventually be fixed down the road with an additional bye week? Uh, I, so I, I do have some concerns from there, but from the raw brass tacks of business, it's another NFL Sunday for folks to gamble on. Good for me as a better good for me as someone who's putting odds for people to bet into so I like it, but I, I do worry about the players and long-term health in that situation. Yeah. I mean, the NFL and what I just didn't like about it just from a side story is the union didn't fight it. I mean, they, they, they say they did, but you know, they were just told uh, that they are, and there's not much that you can, you, there wasn't anything the players were going to do to fight it. You know, they're they're, they're They made their statement. They were excited that there's going to, every contract is going to see a bump. Um, 
and all f- future negotiations will you know take into account the 17th game also it's baseball opening day uh that is thursday april 1st it's kind of neat i don't like it when the season opens in uh march um baseball is here one of the things that i have noticed in spring training is they've been using different baseballs and home runs in spring training are down now that's too small a sample size and i don't think it's fair to to look out but I'm very interested to see if baseball finds a lot of its home run totals. How does that affect futures and how does that affect prop bets for certain players? Right. And it's, it's a great question because uh, like you kind of hinted at, it's, it's small sample size. We just don't know yet. Uh, so what we have done is basically uh, done our projections because we have home run leader stats. We have individual players for total home runs throughout the year. For example, Mike Trout is our nine to one favorite for most home runs this year. And his over under for home runs is 42 and a half. That's still a pretty great size for a player like him. Um, so again, I, I think the proof will be in the pudding 162 games, uh, something that I appreciate the baseball is going back to because it is very much a sport that needs that amount of games to really separate who should and shouldn't be standing come October. Uh, so yeah, again, just kind of a wait and see, but as always, when we're not sure, we'll let our betters kind of help guide us as to how we should be moving these props. And I imagine we'll see, uh, gosh, just a boatload of action come in between now and first pitch Thursday. Who are the favorites uh, to win? Is it the Dodgers again? Uh, is that an automatic? Is San Diego the biggest? Uh, is does San Diego have the most money being spent on it? Uh, what, who are the favorites in this 2021 season? Let's assume it's just a normal season. Because they are. Because <laughs> they are. Well, I, I, I've stopped assuming that anything's normal, Seth. But uh, for the purposes of this conversation, I will do it. Uh, your L.A. Dodgers, not your L.A. Dodgers, not even sure if they're my L.A. Dodgers, but the L.A. Dodgers, three to one favorites to start the year. The New York Yankees plus 550 and the Padres are down to eight to one. I can't I can't recall in any of my time uh, trading odds at Bavada that uh, the Padres have been under 10 to one. But, you know, some really decent offseason acquisitions, great pitching there. Uh, and you're right, a popular team. If you're looking in terms of just pure dollars bet on teams this offseason, it's been the Dodgers at one. The Padres have got the second most amount of money waged on them in the offseason. And then the New York Yankees have been the third most. I would say for teams that are a little bit off the beaten path that have been attracting some interesting eyes, uh, I, I don't know. Gosh, this, is, this surprised me. The Toronto Blue Jays at 16 to 1. They just announced yesterday, Seth, that the Blue Jays won't even be playing in Toronto until May 24th this year, uh, doing the Toronto Raptors move and playing their games in Florida to start, which hasn't worked out very well for the Raptors. Uh, and honestly, if it's anything like the last year, I would imagine that May 24th will be kicked the can down the road because we don't even have open borders yet between uh, Toronto and, or sorry, between Canada and the U.S. I'm going to get some grief from fellow Canadians because Torontonians do like to think that they are the center of Canada and we get a good deal of grief about that. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. Well, to see just to around. clarify, though, that what they said was a third homestand will be played at their spring training facility. Um, there has not been a set. They have not said that afterwards they're coming to Rogers Center. Right. They're, they're leaving it wide open, which I think they're, uh, hopeful. they're hopeful, but they're not not they're not counting on it. I, I've been hopeful for a year, but uh, we'll, we'll see where it goes in that direction. 
I, I, I do hope that, uh, you know, on the bright side, it, it's baseball. It's not like basketball where the fans uh, can make that much more, you know, maybe the first week of the season where all these stadiums are packed, but, you know, hopefully these guys can keep their heads down and play some pretty good baseball. But yeah, the Toronto Blue Jays, 16 to one, uh, surprisingly one of the more popular, you know, non-favorite teams going into this season. And, uh, you know, it should be interesting to see how well they're able to do again, playing in their spring training uh, base for the first third or so. And we'll see where they're playing after that. Yeah, it should be uh, very interesting to see just what happens with this baseball season. I'm curious. I'm really curious, you know, from a couple of fronts. Number one, if the home run totals are down, does that change strategies amongst teams? Do they start to become more contact oriented? Because I think that'll be for a better sport. And then you have the, the you know, the labor stuff and, and, and all of that. And I just want to see what the rhetoric is uh, throughout the year. Um, one thing that they couldn't, the two sides couldn't agree on was the universal DH. So the pitcher will hit this year and in the National League and nobody wants it. The players don't want it. The league doesn't want it. And they still can't agree uh, on that. So it'll be interesting to see. Patrick, enjoy the final four. Have a great week. And uh, next week, we'll see baseball season will be in full swing. And we'll get back into NBA and NHL. Go Houston. That's Patrick Morrow. I'm Seth Everett. This is the Bavada at Odds podcast. We'll see you next week. 